Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the DNVR Rams podcast presented by High Plains Strains, the Northeastern Colorado dispensary, providing top quality cannabis and a wide variety of products. If you give them a visit, be sure to mention DNVR to take advantage of their deals. Hope everybody is doing well out there. We've got a lot to dive into. We're going to give a next level Rams update. We're going to set the scene with the latest on CSU men's basketball continuing to climb in the polls. I'm going to give an update on CSU football, the transfer portal, a staff update as well. I'm also going to talk about the controversial college football playoff, why I think the right four teams got in, but why I also understand why folks are frustrated. Finally, at the end, we're going to do a mailbag. Thank you to everybody that gave us uh, great content to dive into via Twitter, DNVR Rams. Uh, If you want to follow us, follow us at DNVR underscore Rams on Twitter, X, whatever the hell you want to call it these days. But let's just get right into it. First things first, CSU men's basketball. It was already a good morning yesterday because the Rams came in at number seven in net. Testament to, one, the the fact that the Rams have played a lot of high-quality competition, but they've also won those games. That's the big separator between them and some of the other teams in the league right now. Uh, Five Mountain West teams came in in the top 40, in the top 36, actually, but that's kind of a a weird number to to use. Uh, The Rams also came in at number 12 in the coaches poll, up from 21 this past week. We do use the coaches poll in college basketball. Obviously, the AP poll is the standard, and CSU jumped from 20th to 13th in the AP poll, highest ranking in program history. Really cool to see. I saw some people griping that they came in below Creighton, which I understand. They played on a neutral court, absolutely kicked their teeth in. Objectively, CSU has already proven that they were the the better team than Creighton this year. They should probably be ahead of them, but rankings are are a process. And while the the head-to-head matchup does matter, you also kind of have to take into account the totality of the work. So I'm not, I don't think it's worth getting upset about or anything like that. I think it's just cool to see the Rams getting this type of respect and national attention. I do think that San Diego State going to the national championship game a year ago helped just in terms with validating the league, getting more attention on the league. It's not like CSU is a Cinderella or anything like that. I mean, this is a program that's competed at a high level pretty consistently under Nico Medved, but obviously this is this is new heights, and it's just cool to see uh, the Rams closing in on making more history. Already made the AP poll in November for the first time ever. 
Now they've achieved their highest ever ranking at 13, closing in on the top 10, which would be really cool if they win against DU, which you really don't want any slip-ups here after getting through this gauntlet of a non-conference slate. But if they beat DU, they'll have a chance to tie the 2014-15 team for three consecutive wins as a ranked team. They've never won four straight as a ranked team. So if they beat DU on Wednesday, the, the stakes of that St. Mary's matchup go up even more. Definitely a game you don't want to overlook despite the slow start. That's a really well-coached program under Randy Bennett. You know, they're going to defend at a high level, try and dictate the, the tempo in this one. It's going to be a clash of styles, but I'm looking forward to it. I really like that CSU has played St. Mary's pretty consistently in recent years. I think it's a, a good level of competition, and I respect that they're willing to, to do home-and-homes, home, which, frankly, a lot of high majors aren't. You know, they're only going to play CSU if it's in a neutral site with no fans. They don't want to experience the Moby Madness, which is certainly back. By the way, I know with break coming up and, like, dead week in between Thanksgiving and finals and stuff, the crowd is naturally going to dip a little bit for this DU game, but it would be cool to at least see it, you know, top 7,000, just considering how good this team is right now. You know, you want to keep a coach like Nico Medved showing the support from the community that goes a long way as well, as does opening up that checkbook, giving him stability. We're going to get into that. That was one of the questions asked to me in the mailbag, uh, but just a really, really cool start to the season for this squad. Looking forward to being up at Moby on Wednesday and Saturday. Saturday, obviously the headliner, but in-state competition on Wednesday night still going to be fun. We'll have plenty of coverage from that game for you guys. Really, really fun start. I want to shout out to CSU women's basketball, still undefeated as well. McKenna Hofschild doing her thing. She remains a bucket. Rams are top 100 in net. UNLV is top 15 in net, so that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, how CSU fares in in the conference, which has been deeper these last couple of years. UNLV has been a good program. New Mexico, Wyoming, and their size always seems to give us fits. That is one thing I am worried about with this women team. You know, come February, March, and, and postseason time, just do they get bullied in the post if the shots aren't falling, if they aren't just absolutely lighting it up? Kind of been the case the last two years, and I just, looking at the the construct of the roster, it feels like they're, susceptible to it once again. So we'll just have to see. Again, still a really impressive run. McKenna Hofschild going to go down as the second best player in program history. Tough to top Becky Hammond. It just, it's really basically impossible. But they need to retire for for uh, both McKenna and Isaiah. And I don't think it's even really a debate at this point. If you're not going to put four in the rafters, what number are you going to put up there? So shout out to both those teams, CSU or hoop school or hoop school these days, although it would be great to see football return to the glory that we all once knew. Uh, let's do a next level Rams update here before we talk about the playoff. Trey McBride is balling with a capital B. He already has over 600 receiving yards on the season. Crazy enough, only the third tight end in Cardinals history to do that. Earlier this season, he became the first Cardinals tight end to have a hundred yard game. Just not a very proud history of that franchise. Even so, just cool to see Trey become one of the faces of the team. I mean, that's probably one of my top storylines this year. Obviously, the Broncos turning it around, although they did lose a really frustrating one against Houston this, this past weekend. Uh, but seeing Trey become the face of the Cardinals is just awesome. 
had nine targets in the win over Pittsburgh, multiple weather de- delays, really weird game, eight catches for 89 yards, had a touchdown, had a, a touchdown that was overruled despite the fact that he caught it. And then he ended up getting it back the next play. Just really, really cool to see. I mean, he has 18 targets the past two weeks, uh, 34 over the last month, which has just been huge. 28 catches on 34 targets. He's making the most of it. You love to see it. We all knew that he was capable of this in Fort Collins. I remember telling our cohorts out at PHNX what a gem Trey is and what a steal he was going to be for that franchise. I don't really think a lot of those guys believed me. I mean, they saw the highlights and they were like, you know, this is great. Is it going to translate from the Mountain West, though? I just, I told them, and as all Ram fans would have told them, it's going to work out. This dude's a monster. I think he's going to be an all pro in these next couple years. I think he's already a top five tight end in football. Honestly, working his way towards top three, probably need a little bit more consistent production before you're in that conversation with the Laportas and Travis Kelsey's of the world. But skill wise, Trey can be up there with the best of them. I just, I can't wait to see what happens for his career. One of the greatest Rams of all time. And I guess we'll have to see, but honestly, it wouldn't shock me if he ended up being a pro bowler this year. I know the pro bowl doesn't quite mean what it used to, but it would still be just a a cool moment to have a Ram in there. It's already cool having him and, and Stoney and Shaq and, and Mike, you know, all doing their thing at the next level. Really hope Stonehouse is okay. Sounds like it's, a knee injury is going to have to have season-ending surgery. Ugh, I, I don't know what the hell they were doing. They allowed him to get just absolutely blown up twice this weekend, and the second one was brutal. Probably took the hardest hit of his life. Just a disaster. I don't. I, don't, I was so pissed watching that game, but I, I hope Stoney's okay. Obviously, we're all praying for him in Ram country. He was having a phenomenal season. He's done exactly what we expected him to do, which is just be the the best punter in the world, which is what he is. All right, before we get into the college football playoff talk, do need to do a brief update on CSU football. As far as the staff goes, Budo Williams, defensive line coach, has accepted the same position at Indiana, already has his Twitter bio updated, first reported by Football Scoop, I believe. It's a significant loss. That's a guy that's been cited by Basically, everybody on the defensive side as being a phenomenal coach, a guy they loved playing for. Mo Camara talked about him and Freddie Banks specifically being the, the biggest reasons that he came back. That's a tough loss. They, they, they got him a raise this past year when other P5s came after him. I imagine they just made him an offer he can't refuse, which, you know, you can't blame the guy career-wise just to... A tough blow to the staff. Hopefully that ends up being the only major move we'll have to see as other coaches get named around the country and they build their staff. You still worry about the possibility of losing a guy like Chad Savage or you know some of these other up-and-coming assistants. As far as the portal goes, TJ Crandall's still the most significant loss for CSU. Jackson Stratton has decided to enter the portal. Not shocking. I mean, I... Had high hopes for him at one point was the number two quarterback on the depth chart last year. Did, you know, at the end of the season going into spring ball was the number two quarterback, but just got surpassed by BFN. You wish him well. Wouldn't shock me if he ends up back on the West Coast, maybe at a school like San Diego under Sean Lewis. We shall see. Uh, But not a not a horrible situation right now for CSU as far as the portal goes. But you're, you're always 
kind of holding your breath when you're a G5 school. So we shall see. Real quick, I do want to talk to you guys about the Circa Resort and Casino out in Las Vegas, the first ever adult-only casino resort. They have the world's largest sports book. It's a three-story stadium style. It takes 10 people to operate the 78 million pixel screen. Awesome food options like Victory Burger and Wings Company Project Barbecue. They have VIP seating. They have multiple clubs. It really is the spot. They have a 7,000-square-foot casino with two levels, over 1,300 slots, 48 table games with dancing dealers. And that's not even getting into Stadium Swim, which is a 15,000-square-foot area of wet space. It can hold over 4,000 people. They've got a 143-by-40-foot LED screen where you can watch all the sports action. It's living the high life. If you're heading out to Vegas for the Broncos, Raiders, Avs, Knights, for the Mountain West Tournament, uh, book your stay with the code DNVR20 for 20% off. Also, the Circus Sportsbook app is available for download in Colorado. Circus Sports bets can be made only while physically located in the state of Colorado. Must be 21 or older, all rights reserved. Circus Sports Colorado encourages you to gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER or visit problemgamblingcolorado.org. Also, when you get help, Bax and Shanker is here to help. Bax and Shanker wins for Colorado families. They've been helping those who are seriously injured in Colorado for more than 25 years. They're free until they win money in your case. There's no upfront fee to speak with you about your case. No fee while they work on your case. No fee unless they win your case and win money for you. Bax and Shanker has won over $1 billion for their clients. They now have locations serving all of Colorado. But their four neighborhood offices are located in Denver, Aurora, Inglewood, and Fort Collins. They have the strength and power to win your case with more than 30 lawyers and 100 staff. Bax and Shanker helps with all kinds of injury cases where you weren't at fault, car accident, motorcycle, ride, chair, pedestrians, trucks. They can even help if you're injured at work. Call Bax and Shanker at 222-2222 to find out if you have a case for free. Bax and Shanker wins. All right, so I'm going to get to that mailbag in just a second. Thank you again to everybody that shot questions, topics, comments my way on Twitter at DNVR underscore Rams. This is something we can do more frequently if you guys enjoy it. I figured why not give it a shot, you know, do something a little bit new here. I did just briefly, and I'll try and be brief, Give want to give my thoughts on the college football playoff the four teams, I obviously tweeted, if you follow me, that I believe the right four teams made it. I know that is a highly controversial opinion, but I'm just going to explain where I'm coming from. And I, I think most of you know at this point, I am an Alabama fan. I root for the Crimson Tide. I understand that my perspective is going to be different than a lot of yours because of that. A lot of people in this part of the country they hate Bama for sure, but just the SEC as a whole, I do understand that it gets annoying with the way that the SEC and Big Ten are often prioritized over the rest of the country. It sure feels like we're heading towards a two-team Super League in college football, and there's a bunch of issues that come with that. And so anybody that's just tired of them, I understand that perspective completely. I also understand the the rationale behind an undefeated conference champion, especially at that level, it's not Liberty or something, should have an opportunity to compete for a national championship. And in principle, I tend to agree with that statement. The problem is that this format inherently is going to screw somebody. It always was going to. If you have five perceived power conferences and only four get in, 
it's honestly a little surprising to me that we haven't had more of these over the years. I mean, 2014 was kind of controversial with Ohio State. But outside of that, I think more times than not, the right four teams got in. I think this was the first year that the BCS rankings would have deferred from what the the playoff four were ultimately picked as. I mean, it's it's largely been a, a process, although flawed, where they've gotten the right four teams. And I think this is a perfect year of why we needed an expanding playoff because there are more than four teams that deserve a shot. But in this current iteration of the college football playoff, where there's only four teams that get in and it is a highly subjective process, it's not just concrete, hey, if you run the table and win your league, you're in. If that was the case, you wouldn't even need a committee. You wouldn't have all this debate about injury and coach status, which are things that are supposed to be factored as well as head-to-head competition and a million other things. But I just, I want to read this little excerpt from the college football playoff site on the thought process and just kind of how on how this whole thing works. Ranking football teams is an art, not a science. Football is popular in some measure because the outcome of a game between reasonably matched teams is so often decided by emotional commitment, momentum, injuries, and the unexpected bounce of the ball. In any ranking system, perfection or consensus is not possible, and the physical impact of the game on student-athletes prevents elaborate playoff systems of multiple games. For purposes of any four-team playoff, the process will inevitably need to select the four best teams from among several with legitimate claims to participate. Someone was always going to get screwed. Someone was always going to get screwed in this format, and this year it was especially true. And honestly, while I do agree with the principle of an undefeated conference champion deserving a shot to play for a national championship, because what else can you do, especially when you also beat you know, two SEC teams in your non-conference slate? It's not like they just played some really cupcake schedule the entire season. I also understand the argument that without Jordan Travis, that's not the same team, which is true. If you watch Florida State these last couple of weeks, it's it's not. It's not that same explosive offense. I give so much credit to that defense for finding a way to will themselves to victory. And I think it's going to be a really fun matchup for them in the, the New Year's Six Bowl against Georgia. Don't remember exactly which bowl it is. I think it's the Orange Bowl, but I know it's one of them. Um, I just... I don't think the committee got it wrong if you're trying to include the the totality of the season. I understand that Texas beat Alabama head-to-head, and that's the reason that Texas got in, because Alabama is undeniably one of the best four teams at this stage of the year. When you look at the amount of quality wins they have, based on the college football playoff rankings, they beat the team that had been Number one in the rankings for the last three years had won 29 straight games. That's got to mean something, guys. You know, I honestly believe we were closer to two SEC teams getting in with Georgia also getting in than we were to no SEC teams getting in. It's just the reality of the situation. I understand that people hate the SEC. I get it. But if you're looking at it just rationally, the wins that they have, Bama deserves to be in. Yes, Florida State, they have the win over LSU. So does Alabama, but their best wins outside of that, Louisville, 15th in the rankings, Clemson, 22nd, who, you know, four-loss team, you can make an argument they shouldn't even be in the top 25. Bama has that same LSU win. They also have Ole Miss and Tennessee, both of which are, are better wins. And they have Georgia, which is 
one of, if probably the best win all fall. I mean, I, it's that or Texas going into Tuscaloosa and winning. And so, you know, I, I think Texas got in basically because the, the logic is, well, if Bama got in and Texas beat them, they both have to get in. But they were never going to keep out Bama in the SEC. That's just the, the reality. And they shouldn't. I just don't know how anyone can watch that SEC title game and honestly not think it's the two of the best four teams in the country. I, I really believe that. But I just don't know how anyone can watch that game and think, yes, neither of these teams should get a chance to play for the title. I understand Florida State got a raw deal here. I, I do. And it sucks because there was nothing more they could have done. Absolutely nothing. But it's why we needed an expanded playoff. And it's why the expanded playoff is coming. And we could have had an expanded playoff for this year if the ACC and the Pac-12 and the Big 12 didn't push against it a couple years ago, including teams like Florida State and Clemson who were really against it. I don't really know what else to say other than I understand why some folks are frustrated. It's an imperfect system when you're trying to rank the, the wins of 133 teams playing drastically varying levels of competition, it's hard. And that's why the playoff is honestly closer to a high school system where you're kind of like trying to weigh, yes, uh, a team went 8-0 on the Western Slope, but is that actually more impressive than a team like Chatfield going 6-2 and in the metro area or, you know, a 7-1 and in northern Colorado? It's just, it's, it's an art. It's, it's not a science. And Maybe if it's going to get closer to like an NFL style in this expanded playoff where you just you won your division, you're in. You won the AFC South, you're a playoff team. But as it stands right now, as the, the playoff committee is currently operating, that's not how it works. And you can say that's dumb, that's not fair. Maybe that's the case, but this is the system we have. And using the parameters of the system that we have, the right four teams got into the playoff. I'm sorry. Florida State's just not the team that they were earlier in the season. I think if they would have gotten some more style points by, you know, absolutely blowing out Louisville, that probably helps their cause and they probably get in. Again, maybe that's a, a dumb argument too. Maybe that's stupid. But we all know how this works. The Heisman's very similar. It's just a, it's objectively kind of a dumb sport. It, it really is. I, I love it with all of my heart. But it's a weird one. It's a weird one to say the least. Anyways, that's my two cents. You can take it with a grain of salt. You can completely ignore all the logic that I made because I'm a Bama guy. That's fine. But that's where I'm at. I would have made this same argument in favor of a Georgia if the, the roles were reversed. Maybe you believe me, maybe you don't. But uh, that's where I'm at on the playoff. I think they got the right four teams. I understand why some people, just based on the principle of an undefeated conference champion should have a chance to make it, why they feel that it's the, the wrong four teams, but it's just not necessarily the way that it works. And there's a lot more that goes into it. Again, I'm not trying to tell anybody that's upset that they're like wrong or that there's no logic to what they think. I'm just kind of explaining why the committee did come to this for, and I can kind of see how they, they came to that conclusion. Anyways, uh, we're going to move on. We're going to get to that mailbag. I do want to talk to you guys about High Plains Strains. They provide top-quality cannabis, a wide variety of products. Check them out for all your needs, including infused edibles, high-potency concentrates, and some of the best flour in the entire state. 
There are three High Plains strains locations in Colorado, one on Log Lane Village, one in Garden City, one in Sedgwick. So if you're in northeastern Colorado, they're the dispo for you. You can save time and order online at highplainstrains.com and pick up at any of their locations. And with winter here, their drive throughs are a great option. You don't even have to get out of your car. Make sure you use the code DNVR online or mention DNVR in stores. They have a full ounce for 80, Veritas eighths for 25, Mammoth one gram cartridges for 15, Exquisite Extracts four for 40. All killer deals. Remember to use that code DNVR online or mention DNVR in stores to take advantage of these high plain strains deals. If you do take advantage of those deals and you're out and about strolling, you might need some shady rays to keep your eyes covered. Take on the sun with gear that's built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades and affordable price. They're an independent sunglasses company. They offer a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. I personally have three pairs of Shady Rays and I could not recommend them enough. Really, really good um, polarization. That's one thing I struggle with glasses. Sometimes it's so dark you can't see. This takes all the glare out. It just makes it a really comfortable setting. I mean, it's, it's just perfect. If you lose or break your pair, they're going to replace them. No questions asked. You can shop their product in person at the Park Meadows Mall. Full stop shop for all things Shady Rays. If you don't love them, just exchange or return them within 30 days. Again, no risk when you shop. They always have your back. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays giving out the best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com. Use the code DNVR for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. All right, all right, all right. Let's get into this mailbag. I'm going to fight every intrusive thought I have about doing some type of Blue's Clues style mail jingle. One, because I don't want to get sued. Two, because I do enough weird stuff like that already. <laughs> all right, let's get into it. Starting with a question from Eric Maxwell. A little late for this, but love to hear your thoughts on the portal opening up before any bowl games. Lots of big names leaving programs before the season is over. It's frustrating, and it really has impacted the postseason product in a negative way. At the same time, we kind of did this to ourselves. We really devalued bowl season by adding a college football playoff. I don't know what the solution is, particularly with the early signing period, which all coaches seem to be in favor of. But with the early signing period, you know, being around December 18th, December 19th every year, and the vast majority of those bowl games not taking place until afterwards, you kind of have to have the the portal window uh, open up that early unless you shift the entire recruiting calendar. Maybe you could come up with something where it opens up after the bowl season um, and, you know, transfer sign on actual national signing day itself in February. I don't know. There's a lot of different things that factor into this one, but that's a really great question. Appreciate you. Uh, this one from Gideon Agner. And if I pronounce any Buddy's name incorrectly. I apologize. I'm awful at names, so I, I, I try my best. Uh, I know that Patty Turner has a year of eligibility. What's the plan if he leaves? I know the number 16 punter in the country from is from the Springs. Uh, that's Kai Sundermeyer, and the top junior punter from Colorado is from Loveland. Derek Parker is any of that in the cards? I fully expect Patty to be back. I don't believe he walked on Senior Day, so I I think he'll be back. You know, um, I know people love to see in-state kids get an opportunity. 
maybe the the junior kid you, you get in the the mix with but frankly at this point if you're not already talking to them it's it's probably not going to happen i would get some questions from my guy kj here at kev sports burner what's it going to take to keep nico around csu it's a great question i mean there are certain offers that we might just not be able to top that said, I do think there are some things you could do to greatly increase the likelihood of him staying. You already did a great improvement on the locker room. It was much needed. Now they've basically got to give him football money. I mean, most high major coaches are getting $2 million plus, even close to $3 million. $3 million probably out of the cards for a school like CSU. You jump it up closer to 2 I think you have an opportunity there. A 10-year contract with essentially total stability and you know, just knowing you won't get fired. That's obviously kind of a dangerous game because you run the risk of a guy getting content. But at the same time, if you want to keep a quality coach like Nico, and I think if you did that for him, he would continue to kill it because he's so competitive. I think that's the the only way you have a shot forever. Uh, But I mean, he's really deeply tied to CSU. I don't think he's going to leave for just any job. But if one of those dream jobs, obviously Minnesota is one that everybody has long tied to him if they offered him. I don't know. And that's where you hope that, well, you you do love Minnesota, but if we gave you a a $2 million a year contract in 10 years with basically the guarantee of not getting fired, that's pretty enticing, especially after seeing what happened to Tim Miles out there. I mean, it's tough sledding in the Big Ten, and it's only going to get tougher with these Cali schools going out there. So it's it's something to consider. Um, How can CSU better capitalize on NIL opportunities? Seems like the school is bad at things like selling jerseys, state hoodies, et cetera. Yeah, they're always a day late, a dollar short on anything like that. Um, shout out to the NIL Collective under John Weber and the Green Gold Guard Unleashed, which are kind of separate entities. And that's where it's this weird deal with college sports now is NIL is kind of like outside of the athletic department, but it's also somewhat tied in based on some of the rule changes. Um, but yeah, they they need to be better there based on some of the stuff I've heard. Uh, Joe is is not huge in the NIL. He's more of an old school AD, doesn't love it. But adapt or, or die, you got to evolve or get left behind. That's how this works. How can CSU women's basketball, how far can CSU women's basketball go? They look unstoppable too. I did kind of allude to this earlier, but I do worry about their lack of their lack of size, especially against a team like Wyoming or UNLV come conference tournament time. But I think they're easily going to win, you know, 24-plus games. McKenna Hofschild very likely going to be in that mix for Mountain West Player of the Year again, one of the best players in the country overall. She's a bucket. It's just so much fun. And if you have an opportunity to go support the women's team at Moby, do that as well. Got a good one here from uh, Cam's Chorizo. Between Brady Hole, Kevin Lytle, and you, who wins in a steel cage match? with special valet Joel Canalamessa outside the ring from Ram Nation. <laughs> I, I like my odds in that one. I think I probably, although I know Brady watches a little bit too, I probably watch the most wrestling. So I, I think my knowledge of the moves would give me a slight advantage there. Uh, that said, I might be a little overconfident, you know, and go for something that I think I could pull off. And all of a sudden I, I'm trying to do a frog splash and, you know, I'm, belly flopping into the middle of the ring with a broken rib. I don't I don't know. It's a fun question. Uh, best WWE theme song. Follow-up question to that. That's a tough one. 
right now of the active wrestlers, I think it's got to be Cody Rhodes just because the, the best songs are ones that when they hit, the crowd immediately loses it. If you can sing along, it's a good one. Uh, Cody's definitely has that. I just think it's a catchy song. I honestly listen to it at the gym sometimes, which is really, really dorky, but it is. It's a catchy song. There have been a couple of them over the years. I liked Randy Orton's music back in the day. Uh, if we're going just the best of all time, oh, man. Um, when I was a kid, I loved John Cena, but I think the best of all time, it's got to be Stone Cold, the glass shattering. I mean, it, there's just there's no reaction quite like that when it hits. Uh, the whole Kogan's was great. I am a real American. That one slaps for sure. But I think it's got to be that stone cold glass shattering if we're going best of all time. Um, got a question from Trip Deuce here. What should we be trying to address in the transfer portal? And who, what do you think we lose? I assume this is about football. Um, I think you go out and you try and add depth at corner at linebacker. I think they potentially pursue a veteran quarterback to work into the mix. I'm very high on BFN, but I've said this multiple times. I do think you have to have a true open competition, despite the the fact that you would assume that, you know, BFN is going to have a solid lead in that competition, but just to push them, you know, I've heard great things about Jackson Brousseau. They, they tried to bring in a vet quarterback last year, just kind of didn't work out. They were, in on Graham Mertz and Mikey Keene and a couple of different guys, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Those were the big positions I expect them to target, though. Corner and linebacker, offensive line, obviously. And, I mean, if you could add another veteran receiver, I think that would be beneficial. You know, you hope we'll see that you can get Torrey Horton back and Dallin and some of these guys. Um, Justice Ross Simmons, Lewis Brown should take a, a big next step this upcoming season. But anytime that you can add a, a vet receiver, especially in this offense, I think that's huge. Uh, this is a question from Decatur Staley's. Who do you see emerging as a number two to Stevens, or does anyone need to with the strong team slash supporting roles? That's a great question. It is one thing that I, I think if you were trying to look at this team and you were trying to poke holes in the Rams, CSU men's basketball, and think to yourself, what could potentially hold them back? I do wonder if you know, Isaiah Stevens is just totally off. Let's just say he has one of those nights where nothing goes well for him. Do you have somebody else that can not only create for himself, but maybe facilitate some shots for others? I do like that a guy like Joel Scott and Cartier, you can just get them post touches at any point and they're going to calm things down. They're going to get to the line or they're going to finish or they'll kick it out. And then you get some shots and rhythm from deep. Um, if you were picking a true number two, I think it's probably Joel Scott just because the way he can take over offensively, um, he can kind of individually impact the game in a way that maybe some other guys can't just in terms of scoring. Like defensively, I mean, Nick Clifford and Josiah Strong have been really impressive, but I think I would go Joel Scott as my number two here as I flounder through this answer. <laughs> All right, we got a question from Luke Mac 28 Any updates on players entering the portal? Any key losses aside from Crandall? What's your overall feel with how CSU is going to fare in the portal? I mean, it's tough to say in terms of who's going to come in. I don't think we'll know that till uh, closer to Christmas. If you remember last year, you know, right around December 18th, early signing day. And then after that is kind of when we started to hear about guys like Dallin Holker and Trey Pastor, who actually Trey Pastor will be Leaving CSU, um, I thought he'd make more of an impact. To be honest, he had 10 total tackles this year. 
kind of a hybrid linebacker DB. He's out. Crandall's out. Uh, Jackson Stratton has decided to leave. Outside of that, not a ton of key losses. Ethan Erickson, the strong man that everybody loved on social, but honestly was never going to see the field. He He's out. Uh, Cameron Cooper is out after coming in from UTEP. A couple of walk-ons. I'm not expecting a mass exodus. You never know. Uh, you worry, you know, maybe does one of these up-and-coming D linemen go with a coach like Buddha Williams to Indiana. I would hope that Buddha wouldn't do Norvell like that, but you never know. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be a disastrous situation. I also don't think it's going to be like one of the top transfer classes in the country. But if you're CSU, you know, you're building this program through the high school talent. That's ultimately going to be the foundation of the roster. And then you just kind of tinker, you know, you add some key pieces here and there. Guys like Jordan Noyes and Dallin Holker. I mean, they did a great job of finding guys that would work out. Drew Moss on the offensive line. Um, I'm really excited, and that's actually one of the things I'm going to write about here is the offensive line improvement uh, at some point this week. But, yeah, but that's where I'm at. Um, don't think it's going to be, like, a killer portal year, but I definitely don't think it's going to be a situation where you get gutted either. I think if it was going to be a max es- a mass exit, <laughs> excuse me, or a mass exodus to kind of combine those, I think that that process would have already been starting and it would have been really clear by now. All right, last question from my guy, Arik. Um, how are you doing? How am I doing? Well, folks, I'm doing great. I got an opportunity to cover a top 15 team. Holidays are coming up. I'm a big Christmas guy. Going to watch Christmas Vacation approximately six times this month. Um, but I'm doing good. I'm really doing good. I'm looking forward to getting a little break around the holidays. It's, it's tiring, especially going from that, that grind of football into the overlap with basketball late November. It's, it's a tough one, early November and late November as a whole, but uh, man, it's fun. It's fun to watch this team. I can't wait to see how high they can go. I think so long as this team stays healthy, the sky's the limit. I mean, I said it the other day, why not dream big at this point? Why not hope for, you know, sweet 16, even beyond that? Like, I, I, I know the likelihood of it happening is not great, but this team is good enough to go to a Final Four without a doubt. I mean, they, they've got the, the versatility. They've got a point guard that's as good as anybody in the country. They can defend at an elite level. Why not? Why not? And they've got one of the best coaches in the country. So, I can't wait to see how this all goes. Thank you so much to everybody for participating in this mailbag. We'd love to do this more often, especially in the off season when, you know, you're maybe a little bit more stretched for content. Um, thank you to everybody for continuing to support everything that I do. It means the world to me. Always proud to be. Peace.